ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise is for Allah, we praise Him, we seek His help, we ask His forgiveness, and we seek refuge with Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil of our actions. I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave servant and messenger. This tape is based on a book that is small in size, but great in benefit, inshallah. The book is entitled, Legal Rulings of Importance to New Muslims. We present this tape as a gift to our brothers and sisters who have recently entered into the fold of Islam, and I ask Allah to make their feet firm in their new religion. This book is a compilation of useful instructions and orientations for new Muslims from fatawa, or legal rulings, of major contemporary scholars, such as Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Ibaz, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Uthaymeen, Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen, Hafidhumullah, as well as fatawa or legal rulings of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, and that of the Permanent Committee for Islamic Research. It makes us very happy that so many people are entering into Islam these days. That is because Islam is the only true religion to which the original pure nature of the human being guides him. As for other religions, they are either invented and false or originally true but distorted. It is therefore incumbent upon us to clarify some instructions which are of importance especially to our new Muslim brothers and sisters, such as rules of tahara or cleanliness and the rules of salah, the prayer. In addition to some rules governing the social life of the Muslim, like relationships with their relatives. Legal rulings for new Muslims. What is the ruling concerning a bath for someone who has just become a Muslim? Is the bath essential for salah or is wudu sufficient? A hadith reported by Imam Ahmed. Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Nisa'i, and Ibn Majah on the authority of Qais ibn Asim anhu, who said that the Prophet ordered him when he accepted Islam to take a bath with water and Siddur. Siddur is a tree which grows in the Arabian Peninsula. Its leaves have a pleasant smell and a cleansing action. So the Prophet ordered him when he accepted Islam to take a bath with water and Siddur. And it is reported by Bukhari and Muslim that when Thumama, radiallahu anhu, wanted to accept Islam, he went and took a bath, then came and accepted Islam. This indicates that the ghusl was known to be prescribed for those who wanted to enter into Islam, and the disbeliever is spiritually unclean, as Allah has mentioned, and he is in most cases junu. Junu is a state of ritual impurity caused by ejaculation of semen during intercourse or wet dreams. So in most cases, the disbeliever is Junu, and this condition is not eliminated by a bath while he is in a state of disbelief. For that reason, Imam Ahmed and others 
took the position that a ghusl is mandatory and that if a disbeliever accepts Islam, no act of worship, such as prayer, is acceptable from him until he takes a bath. Is it necessary to wash clothes, dishes, and personal belongings after embracing Islam? It is not necessary to wash them if they are clean, and it is customary for people, whether Muslims or disbelievers, to wash their clothes and dishes, etc. And the washing of these articles does not require prior intention to become purified, since the washing is to remove physical impurity. However, if there is liquor or traces of pig fat or improperly slaughtered animals on them, they must be washed. Is a new Muslim required to clip his nails, trim his mustache, shave off his pubic hair, and pluck the hair under his armpits? These items of the characteristics of fitrah should be done by a Muslim when their causes are present. So if someone accepts Islam and his pubic hair or armpit hair or hair of his mustache is long, he should be advised to remove it according to the method mentioned in the sunnah. And if his fingernails are long, he should be advised to clip them like the rest of the Muslims do. If his hair and nails are short, he doesn't have to trim them at the time of accepting a snap, but he should be informed about the rule and Allah knows best. What is the ruling for new Muslims regarding circumcision? There is evidence in the sunnah of enjoining circumcision. It is counted as one of the characteristics of fitrah, which was prescribed for the completion of purification in the case of males. Thus, we consider it as being obligatory, based on the order of the Prophet to a man who had just accepted Islam. Remove the hair of disbelief and get circumcised. This is hadith reported by Imam Ahmed and Abu Daud, who did not comment on it. The apparent meaning of the command indicates the obligatoriness of circumcision. However, if it is feared that it may deter the person from entering into Islam, they may postpone it. Moreover, informing them about the ruling concerning it may also be postponed until they become firm in Islam and grow to love Islam. Does a new Muslim have to change his name? It is not obligatory, but if his name is well known as a disbeliever's name, then it is better for him to change it to a recognized name amongst the Muslims. Does someone who has just embraced Islam have to change his old name to an Islamic name? There is no evidence based on Islamic law that requires one whom Allah guides to Islam to change his name unless the meaning of which is objectionable in Islam, such as being named the worshiper, servant, or slave of a tree, animal, or human, something other than Allah. For instance, some Arab Christians are called Abdul Masih, which means slave of Christ. Likewise, if the name carries a negative meaning, it is better to have a name which has a more positive meaning. For instance, a name like Huzan, which means sorrow or affliction, may be changed to Sahal, which means ease. However, changing a name which indicates worship of other than Allah is obligatory, while changing any other name is only recommended. 
This second category includes names which are commonly associated with Christians, such that someone by hearing the name would think of a Christian. In this situation, changing the name would be very appropriate. May Allah help all of us to do what pleases Him, and may He bestow upon us and you a clear understanding of the religion and a firm adherence to it. And may Allah's mercy and blessings be upon you. When someone accepts Islam, do they have to make up previous prayers? Yes, in one limited circumstance. If the person accepted Islam before the sun sets, he should make duha along with asr. If he accepted Islam in the last part of the night before dawn, he should make up maghrib and isha. That is because these two pairs of prayers are prayed together occasionally due to acceptable excuses like travel, heavy rain, sickness, etc., which indicates that they share together in one time. Just before sunset is the last time that Luhr and Asr can be prayed together for those with an excuse. Likewise, the last part of the night is the last time one can join Maghrib and Isha if one has a legitimate ex- excuse. When a disbeliever accepts Islam in the daytime during Ramadan, is he obligated to fast for the rest of the day? Should he make up the fast of that full day later? Is he required to make up the previous days of that Ramadan which passed while he was not Muslim? When a disbeliever accepts Islam during the daytime of Ramadan, he is obligated to abstain from eating, drinking, etc. for the rest of the day because he is now one of those upon whom fasting is obligatory. As for making up that day by fasting the full day after the end of Ramadan, he is not required to do so. He is also not required to make up the fast of previous days. Is it permissible to make salah in clothes which are polluted by pygmy? Is it permissible to use plates and knives which have pork or lard on them without washing them? Does the same rule apply to intoxicants? It is not permissible for a person to pray in clothes polluted by pig meat because pig meat is unclean. As Allah the Exalted said, Say, O Muhammad I find not in that which has been inspired to me anything forbidden to be eaten by one who wishes to eat it unless it be made to him, a dead animal, or blood poured forth by slaughtering or the like, or the flesh of swine, pork, for that surely is impure or impious unlawful meat of an animal which is slaughtered as a sacrifice for other than Allah, or has been slaughtered for idols, etc., or on which Allah's name has not been mentioned while slaughtering. 
But whosoever is forced by necessity, without willful disobedience, nor transgressing due limits, for him certainly your Lord is oft forgiving, most merciful. Based on that verse, it is not permitted for a person to pray in such clothes until he washes them. Thus, if he washes them, they become purified. It is permissible to use dishes and knives, etc., if they have been washed. However, it is not permitted to use it before washing, since they are polluted with impurities. As for, as for intoxicants, there is a difference of opinion regarding its cleanliness or filth. According to the stronger opinion, although it is forbidden to drink, it is not impure. Does a new Muslim have to divorce his wife if she doesn't accept Islam? Should his children from her be considered Muslims? Does he have to change their names to Muslim names? It is permitted to stay married to her if she is a Jew or a Christian, in accordance with the statement of Allah the Exalted. And the chaste woman from the people of the book are lawful for you. A chaste woman is one who does not have illicit sex, guarding thereby her own honor and that of her husband. However, if she is a Buddhist, a Hindu, or a Rafidi, and a Rafidi is a name given to the twelve Imam or Shiites after they refused to follow Zayd ibn Ali ibn Hussein, when he disapproved of their insults of the companions of the Prophet wasallam, especially the first of them, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, and Uthman radiallahu anhu. The word Rafidi means rejectors in Arabic. So if your wife is a Rafidi, he has no legal right to stay married to her, except if she accepts Islam during her idda. And the idda is the waiting period of a divorced woman or a widow that she must observe before she can remarry. So if she accepts Islam during her idda, in which case the marriage remains valid. As for the children, they should follow the better of their two parents in religion. So if the mother accepts Islam, but her husband refuses, they should follow her in religion. Likewise, if the father accepts Islam, but the mother refuses, the children should follow the Muslim father. This rule is applied to the children who have not reached maturity. After maturity, the choice is up to them, since they are responsible for themselves. They would not be considered as Muslims based on the Islam of one of their parents until they accept Islam themselves, like any other adult. As for the changing of the names of those who accept Islam among them who are classified as Muslims, in accordance with the Islam of their parents, the issue is the same as for the adults, as has already been discussed. What is the ruling concerning a non-Muslim touching a translation of the Qur'an? The translation is only the meanings of the Qur'an, so there is no harm for a disbeliever to touch it. If the purpose for doing so is to know the meanings and to benefit from it, which may induce him to accept Islam. The same applies to the printings which contain parallel texts, the original Arabic besides the translation. What is the ruling concerning a non-Muslim touching a translation of the meaning of the Qur'an with a commentary? As we just mentioned, it is permissible for him to touch a translation of the Qur'an if it is hoped that he will accept Islam and will benefit from it. 
Likewise, it is permissible for him to touch its commentary, even if it is in Arabic. The prohibition of touching the Qur'an is specifically for a copy which is purely the Qur'an in Arabic. There is no prohibition on a muhtif, and a muhtif is a, is a person who has lost the state of ritual purity due to the events such as defecation, urination, passing gas, ejaculation, sexual intercourse, menstruation, etc. These causes require either wudu or a bath to retain ritual purity. So there is no prohibition for muhtif touching commentaries of the Qur'an which explain its meaning, and likewise a non-Muslim, if it is hoped that he will accept Islam. The same holds true for books of hadith, etc. A sister inquired, we have a non-Muslim maid. Is it permissible for me to let her wash the clothes I pray in? Can I eat what she cooks? Is it permissible for me to point out the flaws in her religion and make clear to her its falseness? It is permissible to employ the services of a disbeliever for cooking, cleaning, etc., and to eat from the food she prepares, and to wear the clothing she sews or washes, because her body is outwardly clean and her uncleanliness is abstract. The Sahaba, Ridwanullahi alayhim jami'ah, used to have male and female slaves who were disbelievers to serve them. They used to eat from what was imported for them from the lands of the disbelievers because they knew their bodies were tangibly clean. However, it is mentioned in some hadith that their dishes and cooking utensils should be washed before cooking or eating in them. If they drink liquor from them or cook improperly slaughtered meat or pig products in them and washing their clothing, which is in contact with their private parts, that is because non-Muslims do not observe the standards set by Islam in maintaining the cleanliness of their private parts after urination and defecation. As for criticizing their religion and pointing out the falsehood in it, that is permissible. I mean by that their religions in current form, which are either invented, such as idol worship, or altered from their original teachings, or abrogated, such as Christianity. Christianity was, as revealed to Jesus, nothing other than Islam. Its basic teachings were then perverted by some who claimed to be his followers. Even if its pure teachings had been preserved intact, the details of its legal system were abrogated by the coming of Islam. So the criticism should be directed at the religion in its distorted form after the changes were made in it. However, you should invite them to Islam, explain its teachings and virtues and what it involves, and discuss with them the differences between Islam and other religions, however this should be done with knowledge and wisdom. A brother inquires, we've been dealing with certain people who have no true religion. They worship fire and cows, and Allah said about them that they are filthy and unclean. What is the nature of this uncleanliness? If they are unclean, how should we interact with them? Do things which, which they touch become unclean? Please bear in mind that they work in places of business where they are in contact with the public. Please benefit us with your knowledge. Verily Allah the Exalted has said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu O oh, you who believe in Allah's oneness and in His Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
Verily, the mushrikun, polytheists, pagans, idolaters, disbelievers in the oneness of Allah and in the messenger in the message of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, are najis, impure. And he said about the hypocrites. سَيَحْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ لَكُمْ إِذَا قَلَبْتُمْ إِلَيْهِمْ لِتُعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمْ فَأَعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ رِجْسٌ وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ they will swear by Allah to you Muslims when you return to them that you may turn away from them. So turn away from them, surely they are rigid, impure, because of their evil deeds, and hell is their dwelling place, a recompense for that which they used to earn. The abomination mentioned in Arabic, rigid, means unclean. However, their impurity is of an abstract nature. It is the damage they do and their evil and corruption. As for their bodies, if they keep them clean, it cannot be said that they are physically unclean. Therefore, it is permissible to wear any clothes worn by them, if it is known to be clean, except for their underclothes, since they usually do not take precautions against dripping or splashing of urine, especially if they are not circumcised. Likewise, if they come into contact with unclean substances, such as cooking pork products, or manufacturing liquor or working with it. There is no harm in shaking their hands and using what they had manufactured. For the Messenger, والسلام, and his companions used to make use of goods produced or woven by disbelievers when they were known to be clean. Generally, it is assumed that something is clean until evidence to the contrary is introduced. Is it permissible to eat of animals slaughtered by Christians in our present age, bearing in mind the various methods of slaughter they employ, such as electrocution, spring-loaded guns which drive a bolt into the brain, and toxic gases, etc.? It is permitted to eat of the meat they slaughter, as long as it is not known to be killed in contradiction to the instructions of Islamic law. That is because the basic assumption is that the meat of animals they slaughter is lawful, just like that slaughtered by a Muslim in accordance with the statement of Allah. And the food of the people of the book, Jews and Christians, is lawful for you, and your food is lawful for them. There are two major requirements in the method of slaughter, according to Islamic law. The throat, including the windpipe, esophagus, and at least one of the major arteries must be cut with a knife. The sharper, the better. And the name of Allah should be pronounced at the time of the slaughter. A Christian woman with a Muslim husband died with his child in her womb at age seven months. Should she be buried with the Muslims or with the Christians? She should not be buried in a Muslim cemetery because death has joined a Muslim and a disbeliever and a disbeliever should not be buried with the Muslims nor should a Muslim be buried with the disbelievers. So she should be buried by herself with her back to the Qibla 
because the fetus faces her back. If she is buried in that position, the face of the fetus will be facing the Qibla, and the fetus is considered Muslim, based on the Islam of his father, even if his mother is considered a disbeliever by the consensus of all Muslim scholars. The Qibla is the direction all Muslims must face in prayer, the sacred house in Mecca, the Kaaba. It is recommended for a Muslim to be buried facing the Kaaba. We are Muslims with Christian neighbors. Is it permissible for a Muslim to visit his Christian neighbor when he gets sick? When he dies, may he attend the funeral and burial? Would a Muslim doing that incur sin? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All praises are due to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. He should not attend the funeral or the burial. As for visiting him when he is sick, there is nothing wrong with that. And in fact, there may be a benefit in that for drawing his heart close to Islam. If he dies of disbeliever, he will surely be in the fire of hell. So it is not permissible to pray for him, and Allah knows best. If my neighbor is a disbeliever, is it permissible for me to fulfill his requests for help? Sometimes I might meet him in a narrow passage, and we chat and smile, and exchange friendly words, although I dislike them as a group. Is there anything wrong with that? How should we answer when they say, Assalamu alaikum to us? There is nothing wrong in carrying out the request of a non-Muslim as long as it doesn't constitute an act of disobedience to Allah. For instance, uh, buying liquor for him, or cigarettes, or pork. Uh, we should bear in mind that neighbors do have certain rights on you, and this kindness may encourage him towards Islam. There is nothing wrong with smiling and speaking kindly with them if there is a benefit in it. But if there is no benefit, it should be avoided. The benefit could be enjoying them closer to Islam or keeping them in a non-hostile attitude towards the Muslims. The lack of benefit could be in situations of active hostility. The point is here that one should maintain the consciousness that their belief is disastrous and that it is an issue which should not be swept under the rug. And Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, half of the law, said, if they greet us, we should say the same to you, or likewise, as the Prophet ﷺ instructed us. Can a, can a Muslim man speak with a non-Muslim woman who is improperly dressed by Islamic standards in order to inform her about Islam? Must she cover her face after accepting Islam? And may a man be alone with her to teach her more about Islam? The inviter to Islam should request her to cover herself, including her face, at the beginning of the conversation. If she doesn't want to, he can continue to speak to her as long as he is not alone with her. When she accepts Islam, it should be impressed upon her that covering herself is obligatory. It is permissible for a man to teach her one-to-one -one if precautions are observed and if there is no alternative. No alternative means that there is no woman available to teach her and no other students who can be taught along with her in a classroom or public situation. The precautions which must be observed are to make the meeting place in a public place, not in his apartment or her apartment or any isolated place. They should make effort to find a third person to sit with him, even in a public place, 
since the situation is inherently dangerous. That is because when a man and a woman are together, the shaitan is their third. So although they may start out in public, in a public place, they may end up going together uh, to a private place. Is it permissible for a non-Muslim to enter the masjid to attend a lecture where Islam is being taught? It is permissible for a non-Muslim to enter the mosque for that purpose, if it is hoped that he might become a Muslim, after he has heard the merits of Islam and the explanation of its teaching. If he is known to be opposed to Islam and far away from it, then it is not permissible for him to enter the masjid. A preacher in a masjid in Europe claimed in one of his lectures that it's not permissible to say that Jews and Christians are disbelievers. As you know, most of the masjid attendants in Europe have very little knowledge, and we fear that this kind of view will spread there. Can you clarify this issue with sufficient details and proofs to remove any confusion? I say the opinion put forward by this man is misleading. It may even be kufr or disbelief, because Allah declared the Jews and the Christians to be disbelievers in his book. Allah the Almighty said, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ عُزَيْرُ لِبْنُ اللَّهِ وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ قَوْلُهُمْ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ يُضَاهِئُونَ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَبْلِ قَاتَلَهُمُ اللَّهُ أَنَّا يُؤْفَكُونَ اتخذوا أحبارهم ورهبانهم أربابا من دون الله والمسيح بن مريم وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا إلها واحدا لا إله إلا هو سبحانه and the Jews say Uzair or Ezra is the son of Allah and the Christians say the Messiah is the son of Allah that is the saying from their mouths they imitate the saying of the disbelievers of old Allah's curse be on them how they are deluded away from the truth they the Jews and the Christians took their rabbis and their monks to be their lords beside Allah by obeying them in the things which they made lawful or unlawful according to their own desires without being ordered by Allah. And they also took as their Lord the Messiah, son of Mary, while the Jews and the Christians were commanded in the Torah and the Injil to worship none but one ilah, Allah. La ilaha illahu. None has the right to be worshipped but he. Praise and glory be to him. Far above is he from having the partners they associate with him. Verses 30 and 31 from Surah Tawbah. These verses indicate that the Christians and the Jews are mushrikun or polytheists. Allah made it clear in another verse from the Quran that they are explicitly disbelievers. As Allah the Almighty says, لقد كفر الذين قالوا إن الله هو المسيح ابن مريم 
Surely they have disbelieved to say, Allah is the Messiah, son of Mary. But the Messiah said, O children of Israel, worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord. Verily, whosoever sets up partners in worship with Allah, then Allah has forbidden paradise for him, and the fire of hell will be his abode. And for the Dhalimun, the polytheists and wrongdoers, there are no helpers. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 72. And Allah the Exalted also said, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثَةٌ وَمَا مِنْ إِلَهٍ إِلَّا إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَنْتَهُوا عَمَّا يَقُولُونَ لَيَمَسَّنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ أَفَلَا يَتُوبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَيَسْتَغْفِرُونَهُ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Surely they are disbelievers who say Allah is the third of three in a trinity, while there is no ilah or God except the one ilah. And if they cease not from what they say, verily a painful torment will befall the disbelievers among them. Will they not repent to Allah and ask His forgiveness? For Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verses 73 and 74. And Allah also said, لُعِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَلَى لِسَانِ دَاوُدَ وَعِيسَ بِنِ مَرْيَمِ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ Those among the children of Israel who disbelieved were cursed by the tongue of David and Jesus, the son of Mary. That was because they disobeyed Allah and the messengers and were ever transgressing beyond bounds. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 78. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَئِكَ هُمْ شَرُّ الْبَرِيَّةِ Verily those who disbelieve in the religion of Islam, the Qur'an, and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from among the people of the scripture, Jews and Christians, 
and the mushrikun will abide in the fire of hell. They are the worst of creatures. Surah Al-Bayyina, verse number 6. The verses from the Qur'an with this meaning are many, as well as the authentic ahadith upon the Prophet And he who denies that the Jews and the Christians are disbelievers, knowing that they do not believe in the Prophet Muhammad and they consider him to be a liar, is rejecting what Allah said of truth, and denying the truth of Allah's word is kufr, or disbelief. Whoever is in doubt about their disbelief, there is no doubt that he himself is disbelieved. SubhanAllah, how can it please this man to say it is not permissible to call them disbelievers while they say Allah is the third of three and their creator has already called them disbelievers? How can he feel uncomfortable about calling them disbelievers when they say the Messiah is the son of Allah and they say the hand of Allah is fettered or tied and they say Allah is poor and we are rich. How can he feel uncomfortable about calling them disbelievers while they describe Allah with all these evil descriptions, all of which are flaws, insults, and abuse? I call this man and these people to repent to Allah and to read the statement of Allah. <laughs> They wish that you should compromise in religion out of courtesy with them, so they too would compromise with you. Surah Al-Qalam, verse number 9. In order not to fawn on these people in their disbelief, and to make clear to everyone that they are disbelievers, and that they are inhabitants of the fire, the Prophet said, By the one who holds my soul in his hand, any Jew or Christian from this ummah, that is the ummah he was sent to call to Allah, who hears about me, then doesn't follow what I brought, or he said, then doesn't believe in what I brought, he will be a denizen of Anar, or the fire of hell. So whoever denies the kufr of the Jews and the Christians, he is obligated to repent to his Lord for this immense fabrication and to publicly declare in a clear announcement that these people are disbelievers headed for the fire of hell and that they are obligated to follow the unlettered Prophet Muhammad for he is well known to both Jews and Christians they recognize him as they recognize their own sons Allah the Almighty says الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ الرَّسُولَ النَّبِيَّ الْأُمِّيَّ الَّذِي يَجِدُونَهُ مَكْتُوبًا عِنْدَهُمْ فِي التَّوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ يَأْمُرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَاهُمْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُحِلُّ لَهُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَيُحِلُّ لَهُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَيُحَرِّمُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْخَبَائِثَ وَيَضَعُ عَنْهُمْ مِصْرَهُمْ وَالْأَغْلَالَ الَّتِي وَيَضَعُ عَنْهُمْ مِصْرَهُمْ وَالْأَغْلَالَ الَّتِي كَانَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِهِ وَعَزَّرُوهُ وَنَصَرُوهُ وَاتَّبَعُوا النُّورَ الَّذِي أنزل 
Those who follow the Messenger, the Prophet who can neither read nor write, Muhammad وسلم, whom they find written with him in the Torah and the Injil, he commands them for al-ma'ruf, Islamic monotheism, and all that Islam has ordained, and forbids them from al-munka, disbelief, polytheism of all kinds, and all that Islam has forbidden. He allows them as lawful, at tayyibat, all good and lawful as regards things, deeds, beliefs, persons, foods, etc., and prohibits them as unlawful, al-khaba'ith, all evil and unlawful as regards things, deeds, beliefs, persons, foods, etc. He releases them from their heavy burdens of Allah's covenant and from the fetters, bindings that were put upon them. So those who believe in him, Muhammad wasallam, honor him, help him, and follow the light of the Qur'an which has been sent down with him. It is they who will be successful. Surah Al-A'raf, verse number 157. This refers to the glad tidings of the coming of Muhammad wasallam, announced by Jesus, the son of Mary, alayhi salam. Jesus, alayhi salam, definitely announced the coming of Muhammad as his Lord reported his words. وَإِذْ قَالَ عِيسَى بْنُ مَرْيَمَ يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ مُصَدِّقًا مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيَّ مِنَ التَّوْرَاتِ وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدٍ فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ بِالْبَيْنَاتِ قَالُوا هَذَا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ And remember when Jesus the son of Mary said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah unto you, confirming the Torah which came before me, and giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me whose name shall be Ahmed. But when he, Ahmed, Muhammad وسلم, came to them with clear proofs, they said, this is plain magic. Surah Al-Saf, verse number 6. So when the predicted one, Ahmed, came with clear signs, the disbelievers said, this is clear magic. We Muslims refute the claim of those Christians who say the one Jesus predicted was Ahmed and not Muhammad For we say that Allah said, but when he came to them with clear signs to the end of the verse, and no one came after Jesus except Muhammad And Muhammad is Ahmed, but Allah inspired Jesus, the son of Mary, to name Muhammad Ahmed which is the superlative form indicating that Muhammad was the most praiseworthy of mankind to Allah. The superlative form can be interpreted to be the superlative of the active form, meaning the one who praises Allah the most. And it can be interpreted as the superlative of the passive form, that is, the most praiseworthy. 
And I say that anyone who claims that there is another religion on earth acceptable to Allah besides Islam, then he is a disbeliever, a kafir. There being no doubt about his disbelief because Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in his book, and whoever seeks a religion other than Islam, it will never be accepted of him, and in the hereafter he will be one of the losers. Surah Al-Ali Imran, verse number 85. And he also says, Verily, the religion with Allah is Islam. Surah Al-Imran, verse number 19. And Allah the Almighty and Glorious also says, this day I have perfected your religion for you, completed my favor upon you, and have chosen for you Islam as your religion. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 3. Based on this, I repeat for the third time, anyone who denies the kufr of the Christians and the Jews must repent to Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, and make clear to all people that Jews and Christians are disbelievers, because the proofs have been established against them, and the message has reached them, but they disbelieved out of obstinacy. Verily, the Jews have been described as those whose portion is wrath, since they knew the truth and contradicted it. And the Christians have been described as those who have gone astray because they wanted the truth but lost their way. Now all of them know the truth and have recognized it, but they opposed it, and by doing so have deserved all of them to have wrath upon them. I, I invite the Jews and the Christians to believe in Allah and all his messengers and to follow Muhammad وسلم, as it is what they have been ordered to do in their books. As Allah the Exalted said, Allah, 
الذين يتبعون الرسول النبي الامي الذي يجدونه مكتوبا عندهم في التوراه والانجيل يامرهم بالمعروف وينهاهم عن المنكر ويحل لهم الطيبات ويحرم عليهم ويحرم عليهم الخبائث ويضع عنهم إصرهم والأغلال التي كانت عليهم فالذين آمنوا به وعذروه ونصروه واتبعوا النور الذي أنزل معه وَاتَّبَعُوا النُّورَ الَّذِي أُنْزِلَ مَعَهُ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا الَّذِي لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لا إله إلا هو يحيي ويميت فآمنوا بالله ورسوله النبي الأمي الذي يؤمن بالله وكلماته واتبعوه واتبعوه لعلكم تهتدون And my mercy embraces all things. That mercy I shall ordain for those who are the muttaqun, pious, and give zakat, and those who believe in our ayat, proofs, evidences, verses, lessons, signs, and revelations. Those who follow the messenger, the prophet who can neither read nor write, Muhammad sallallahu whom they find written with them in the Torah and the Injil. He commands them for al-ma'ruf, Islamic monotheism, and all that Islam has ordained, and forbids them from al-munka, disbelief, polytheism of all kinds, and all that Islam has forbidden. He allows them as lawful at tayyibat, all good and lawful as regards things, deeds, beliefs, persons, foods, etc., and prohibits them as unlawful al-khaba'if, all evil, and unlawful as regards things, deeds, beliefs, persons, foods, etc. He releases them from their heavy burdens of Allah's covenant and from the fetters, bindings that were put upon them. So those who believe in him, Muhammad wasallam, honor him, help him, and follow the light, the Qur'an, which has been sent down with him, it is they who will be successful. Say, O Muhammad wasallam. O mankind, verily I am sent to you all as the messenger of Allah, to whom belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. La ilaha illa huwa. None has the right to be worshipped but he. It is he who gives life and cause the prophet who can neither read nor write, who believes in Allah and his words, this Quran, the Torah, and the Injil. And follow him so that you may be guided. Surah Al-A'raf, 
verses 156 through 158. They, those who believe in Islam, will get a double reward. As the Prophet ﷺ said, three people will get a double reward. A man from among the people of the book who believed in his own Prophet and believed in Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. The following statement is found in the book Al-Ifna, which is a book of uh, Islamic fiqh. In a chapter on laws regarding apostates, it says, or he who doesn't consider whoever appoints a religion other than Islam, like the Christians, to be disbelievers, or is in doubt whether they are disbelievers, or considers their altered religion to be correct, except he has disbelieved. And it is transmitted from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, that he said, whoever believes that churches are houses of Allah, where he is worshipped, and that what the Jews and Christians do is worship of Allah and obedience to Him and His Messenger, or that He, Allah, loves that and is pleased with it, or helps them to open them up and establish their distorted religion. And what they do is an act of obedience which draws them closer to Allah, except that He has disbelieved. He, Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, said in another place, Whoever considers visiting the Vimmis in their churches as an act which draws one closer to Allah is an apostate, and a Vimmi is a non-Muslim living under Muslim protection. This substantiates what we mentioned at the beginning of the answer. In this issue, there is no ambiguity, and the law is the one whose aid must be sought. A brother asked, I'm living in Jordan in a place where most of the residents are Christian brothers. We have food together. Is my salah invalid and is my living among them impermissible? Before answering your question, I would like to remark on what I hope you said unintentionally. That is your statement, I live with Christian brothers. Know that there can be no brotherhood between Muslims and Christians, ever. Brotherhood is based upon faith, meaning Islam, as Allah the Almighty and Glorious said. <laughs> Verily the believers are brothers. Surah Al-Hujurat, verse number 10. So if, and if a blood relationship is conflicted by a difference in religion, then how can brotherhood be established with a difference of religion? with no blood relationship. Allah, the Almighty and Glorious said about Noah and his son, when Noah salam, said, and Noah called upon his Lord and said, O oh my Lord, verily my son is of my family, and certainly your promise is true, and you are the most just of judges. 
He said, O Noah, surely he is not of your family. Verily his work is unrighteous. Surah Al-Hud, verses number 45 and 46. So there can be no brotherhood between a believer and a disbeliever, ever. Rather, it is mandatory for a believer not to take a disbeliever as a wali. Allah the Exalted said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la tattakhidu aduwi wa aduwakum awliyaa tulquna ilayhim bil mawaddati wa qad kafaru تلقون إليهم بالمودة وقد كفروا بما جاءكم من الحق O you who believe, take not my enemies and your enemies, disbelievers and polytheists, as friends, showing affection towards them while they have disbelieved in what has come to you of the truth. Surah Al-Mumtahina, verse number one. So who are the enemies of Allah? The enemies of Allah are the disbelievers. As Allah the Exalted has said, مَا كَانَ عَدُوًّا لِلَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَجِبْرِيلَ وَمِيكَالِ وَجِبْرِيلَ وَمِيكَالَ فَإِنَّ Whoever is an enemy to Allah, his angels, his messengers, Jibreel and Mikam, then verily Allah is an enemy to the disbelievers. Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 98. And Allah, glory be to him, the Most High, said, يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تتخذوا اليهود والنصارى أولياء بعضهم أولياء بعض ومن يتولهم منكم فإنه منهم إن O you who believe, take not the Jews and the Christians as awliya, friends, protectors, helpers. They are but awliya to one another. And if any amongst you takes them as awliya, then surely he is one of them. Verily Allah guides not those people who are dhalimun. Polytheists and wrongdoers. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 51. So it is not permissible for a Muslim to describe a disbeliever, whatever form of disbelief he has, whether Christianity, Judaism, fire worship, or atheism, as a brother, ever. So beware, O brother, from this expression. As for the reply to your question, I say it befits you to avoid constant mixing with non-Muslims because constant mixing with them will obliterate the attitude of vigil and care for the deen of Islam in your heart 
and may possibly lead you to love them. Allah the Exalted has said, لا تجد قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كانوا ولو كانوا آباءهم أو أبناء وَأَنَهُمْ أَوْ عَشِيرَتَهُمْ أُولَئِكَ كَتَبَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَأَيَّدَهُمْ بِرُوحٍ مِّنْهِ وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا you O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will not find any people who believe in Allah in the last day making friendship with those who oppose Allah and His Messenger Muhammad even though they were their fathers or their sons or their brothers or their kindred people for such He has written faith in their hearts and strengthened them with ruh, proof, light and true guidance from Himself and we will admit them to gardens, paradise under which rivers flow, to dwell therein forever. Allah is pleased with them, and they with Him. They are the party of Allah. Verily, it is the party of Allah that will be successful. Surah Al-Mujadila, verse number 22. As a gesture of hospitality, is it permissible for a Muslim to offer alcoholic drinks to non-Muslim guests? Islam is a religion of ease, yet it is also a religion of justice. Hospitality is part of the Islamic manners, but if the person is a disbeliever, the ruling varies according to the aim of the Muslim person extending hospitality and what he offers him in the way of hospitality. If the aim is in accordance with the aims of Islam, and then he wants to create harmony with the non-Muslim in order to invite him to Islam and save him from disbelief, that is a noble aim. There is a well-established rule in the Sharia that means are judged in accordance with the aims. If the aim is something mandatory, the means to achieve it becomes mandatory. And if the aim is forbidden, the means leading to it becomes forbidden also. When extending hospitality to non-Muslims, when it is not for a specific Islamic purpose and there is no harm expected as a result of doing it, it is better to leave that. However, offering them hospitality with food and drinks that Allah prohibited, like pork and alcohol, that is not allowed ever. Entertaining them in this way is disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to them. And also it involves giving precedence to their rights over the rights of Allah. 
So it is obligatory for a Muslim to hold firm to his deen, and in foreign lands, his firm observance of his deen has a significant impact on inviting non-Muslims to Islam by words and deeds. Is a transaction or business with a person legitimate when we know that he's a disbeliever, especially when we are in need of what they manufacture? There is nothing wrong in using what the disbelievers manufacture out of necessity and need. As the situation in this age of mutual relations with non-Muslim countries, we buy from them their manufactured goods, cars, airplanes, clothing, equipment, dishes, etc. Our need of these goods requires us to reach agreement with them on prices and specifications and rules for delivering the money and receiving the merchandise and other details of necessity to a purchaser. And Allah knows best. These days, as a result of the contact between East and West and the presence of so many non-Muslims and various religions among us, we encounter them giving us the Islamic greeting. How should we respond? It is established that the Prophet said, Do not initiate salam or salutation to the Jews and Christians, and when you meet them on the road, force them to take the narrow part. This is an authentic hadith narrated by, narrated by Imam Muslim. And he, alayhi salatu wasalam, said, When the people of the book say, Salamu alaykum to you, say, Wa alaykum, the same to you. This is an authentic hadith related by Al-Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim. The people of the book refers to Jews and Christians. And the same rule applies to the rest of disbelievers, as there is no difference of which we know any difference between them. However, a Muslim should not initiate salam to a disbeliever. And when the disbeliever initiates salam, to him he should reply, Wa alaykum, in obedience to the order of the Prophet There is nothing wrong after that with saying, How are you and how are your children? Some scholars have mentioned, among them, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, especially when an Islamic benefit requires that, such as encouraging him to be a Muslim by feeling genial, making him inclined to listen to the message of Islam and accept it, as Allah the Exalted says, Call unto the way of your Lord with wisdom and fair exhortation, and argue with them in the best way. Surah Al-Nahl, verse 125. And Allah the Most High said, وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ And do not dispute with the people of the book except in the best way, unless it be with those of them who do wrong. Surah Al-Ankabut, verse number 46. This question is about the employment of foreign non-Muslims in Muslim lands, especially in the Arabian Peninsula. 
A brother inquires, is it permissible to import foreign laborers who are non-Muslims? No doubt the Prophet ﷺ ordered the expulsion of the polytheists from the Arabian Peninsula. He ﷺ said, I will surely expel the Jews and the Christians from the Arabian Peninsula so that I leave there none but Muslims. This hadith explicitly indicates that the exhortation of the Prophet ﷺ is that the Arabian Peninsula should remain with only Muslim inhabitants due to the danger posed by the presence of Christians and other disbelievers. Moreover, Islam originated in the Arabian Peninsula and spread from it to all corners of the globe and will eventually recede to it, as mentioned in an authentic hadith, that faith, Islam, would withdraw to Medina as the snake withdraws to its hole. Importing non-Muslim workers to the Arabian Peninsula poses a grave danger even if no other harm or danger comes from it, then the employer, growing accustomed to them and dependent upon them and loving them, while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا تجد قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كانوا ولو كانوا آباءهم أو أبناء أو إخوانهم أو عشيرتهم أولئك كتب في قلوبهم الإيمان وأيدهم بروح منه ويدخلهم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, will not find any people who believe in Allah in the last day making friendship with those who oppose Allah and His Messenger Muhammad even though they were their fathers, or their sons, or their brothers, or their kindred people. For such He has written faith in their hearts, and straightened them Himself. And we will admit them to gardens, paradise, under which rivers flow, to dwell therein forever. Allah is pleased with them, and they with Him. They are the party of Allah. Verily, it is the party of Allah that will be successful. Surah Al-Mujadida, verse number 22. Perhaps truth and falsehood will get confused for him. So he feels that they are our brothers and begins to call to the idea inspired by the shaitan that they are our brothers in humanity. That is not true, for the brotherhood of belief is the true brotherhood and when the religions differ, there is no brotherhood, such that when Noah السلام, said, وَنَادَى نُوحٌ رَبَّهُ فَقَالَ رَبِّ إِنَّ بْنِي مِنْ أَهْلِي وَإِنَّ وَحْدَكَ الْحَقِّ 
وَإِنَّ وَعْدَكَ الْحَقُّ وَأَنْتَ أَحْكَمُ الْحَاكِمِينَ And Noah called upon his Lord and said, O oh my Lord, verily my son is of my family, and certainly your promise is true, and you are the most just of the judges. And Allah replied, قال يا نوح إنه ليس من أهلك. He said, O oh Noah, surely he is not of your family. Surah Hud, verses 45 and 46. And verily the Prophet ﷺ severed the relationship between believers and disbelievers, even in inheritance after death. For he, alayhi salatu wasalam, said, It is not lawful for a Muslim to inherit from a disbeliever, nor is it lawful for a disbeliever to inherit from a Muslim. If that is the case, then constant contact with non-Muslims and importing them to work alongside Muslims and to have food and come and go along with them, all that is likely to destroy the Muslim's sense of diligent care for his deen until they become fond of those about whom Allah the Exalted said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la tattakhidu aduwi wa aduwakum awliyaa tulquna ilayhim bilmawadda O you who believe, take not my enemies and your enemies, the disbelievers and polytheists, as friends, showing affection towards them while they have disbelieved in what has come to you of the truth. Surah Al-Mumtahina, verse number one. Is it permissible for a Muslim to give a non-Muslim neighbor a share of a sacrificial animal or not? It is permissible for a Muslim to share sacrificial meat with his non-Muslim neighbor and to be generous to him in order to draw his heart close to his man and to discharge the right of one's neighbor since there is no evidence to forbid it, and based on the general guidance of Allah's statement, وَلَمْ يُخْرِجُوكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِكُمْ أَنْ تَبَرُّوهُمْ وَتُقْسِقُوا إِلَيْهِمْ Allah does not forbid you with regard to those who do not fight you on account of your religion, nor drive you out of your homes from dealing kindly and justly with them, for Allah loves those who are just. Surah Al-Muntahina, verse number 8. A fatwa on this topic has already been issued by the permanent committee, the text of which is as follows. 
Yes, it is permissible for us to feed a non-Muslim with whom we have a treaty or a prisoner of war from sacrificial meat. And it is permissible to give it to him for reasons of his poverty or blood relationship or neighborliness or to draw his heart towards Islam. That is because the sacrificial rite consists of cutting the animal's throat as an offering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and an act of worship to him. As for its meat, it is best to eat one-third of it oneself and to give one-third of it to one's relatives, neighbors, and friends and to give one-third of it as charity to the poor. Though there is no problem if the division is imprecise or even if one or more of the categories is ignored altogether since the issue has plenty of leeway in it. But sacrificial meat should not be given to a non-Muslim with whom the Muslims are in a state of war since it is mandatory to do all that is possible to weaken and subdue them, not to give them charity and feed them. So the same prohibition is binding and voluntary charity to them, as based on the general guidance of Allah, the exalted statement. <laughs> forbid you with regard to those who do not fight you on account of religion, nor drive you out of your homes from dealing kindly and justly with them, for Allah loves those who are just. Allah only forbids you with regard to those who fight you on account of religion and drive you out of your homes and support others in driving you out from turning to them for friendship and protection, and whosoever befriends them, then such are the wrongdoers. Surah Al-Mumtahina, verses 8 and 9. And the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, instructed Asma bintu Abi Bakr, radiallahu ta'ala anha, to acknowledge the relationship with her mother, who was a polytheist, by giving her money. And may Allah's peace and blessings be upon our Prophet Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and his companions. Is it permissible to give charity to non-Muslims? It is not permissible to give zakat to disbelievers, and it is disliked to give voluntary charity to them, since it is a way of helping them while they disbelieve. Allah the Exalted said, And don't help each other in sin and transgression. Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 2. However, however, if it is hoped that he might become a Muslim, there is no harm in giving him charity also, in order to encourage him to enter into Islam. 
Moreover, if the non-Muslim is facing death, it is permissible to save him so he can see the virtues of Islam. Some Muslims accord importance to Christian and Jewish holidays, arranging vacations for Muslim schools on the occasion of Jewish and Christian celebrations, but not on the occasion of Muslim Eids, and they say, if you observe Jewish and Christian holidays, they will eventually enter Islam. Please clarify the ruling on this topic. Firstly, the Sunnah of the Prophet is to make public Islamic religious practices among Muslims and to abandon whatever is at variance with the guidance of the Messenger and it is established that he said obligatory upon you is my Sunnah and the Sunnah of the Khulafai Rashidin. Secondly, it is not permissible for a Muslim to participate with disbelievers in their holidays and show happiness for these occasions and to take time off work, whether their holidays are religious or secular. That is because it comprises imitation of the enemies of Allah, which is prohibited. It is established that Allah's Messenger said, Whoever imitates a people, he is one of them. We urge you to refer to the book, Iqtidah Sarat al-Mustaqeen, by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, for it is very beneficial on the subject. Ability is only by the sanction of Allah, and may Allah's peace and blessings be upon Prophet Muhammad wasallam and his family and his companions. In conclusion, we pray that Allah will make this humble effort purely for his face and accept it. We hope that this tape will benefit all those who hear it. Anything that we said that is correct is from Allah, and anything that we said that is incorrect is from ourselves and from shaitan. This tape was recorded in Medina Munawwara for invitation to Islam, PO Box 7325, Walthamstow, London, E17, 9TX, England.
كما أبنعهم الكتاب وأخر متشابهات فأما الذين في قلوبهم زيغ فيتبعون ما تشابه منه فيتبعون ما تشابه منه بسغاء الفتنة وبسغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله والراسخون في العلم يقولون آمنا به كل من عند ربنا وما يذكر إلا أولو الألباب ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا إنك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه إن الله لا يخلف الميعاد إن الذين كفروا لن تغني عنهم أموال ولا من الله شيحا وأولئك هم وقود النار كدأب آل فرعون والذين من قبلهم كذبوا بآياتنا فأخذهم الله بذنوبهم والله شديد العقاب قل للذين كفروا ستغلبون وتحشرون إلى جهنم وبئس المهاد قد كان لكم آية في فئتين التقطا فئة تقاتل في سبيل الله وأخرى كافرة وأخرى كافرة يرونهم مثليهم رحي العين والله يؤيد بنصره من يشاء إن في ذلك العبرة لأولي الأبصار زين للناس حب الشاوات من النساء والبنين والقناطير والقناطير المقنطرة من الذهب والفضة والخيل المسومة والخيل المسومة والأنعام والحرف ذلك متاع الحياة الدنيا والله عنده حسن المآب قل أنبئكم بخير من ذلكم للذين اتقوا عند ربهم جنات تجري تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها وأزواج مطهرة ورضوان من الله والله بصير بالعباد الذين يقولون ربنا إننا آمنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وقنا عذاب النار 
المؤمنين والصادقين والقانتين والمنفقين والمستغفرين بالأشهار شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقصة لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم إن الدين عند الله الإسلام وما اختلف الذين أوتوا الكتاب إلا من بعد ما جاءهم العلم بغيا بينهم ومن يكفر بآيات الله فإن الله سريع الحساب فإن حاجوك فقل أسلمت وجهي لله ومن اتبعن وقل للذين أوتوا الكتاب والأمين أسلمتم فإن أسلموا فقد اهتدوا وإن تولوا فإنما عليك البلاء والله بصير بالعباد إن الذين يكفرون بآيات الله ويقتلون النبيين بغير حق ويقتلون النبيين بغير حق ويقتلون الذين يأمرون بالقسط من الناس فبشرهم بعلاب أليم أولئك الذين حبطت أعمالهم في الدنيا والآخرة وما لهم ألم تر إلى الذين أوتوا نصيبا من الكتاب يدعون إلى كتاب الله ليحكم بينهم ثم يتولى فريق منهم وهم معرضون ذلك بأنهم قالوا لن تمسنا النار إلا وغرهم في دينهم ما كانوا يفترون فكيف إذا جمعناهم ليوم لا ريب فيه ووفيت كل نفس ما كتبت وهم لا يظلمون قل اللهم مالك الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك من تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير تولج الليل في النهار وتولج النهار في الليل 
وتخرج الحي من الميت وتخرج الميت من الحي وترزق من تشاء بغير حساب لا يتخذ المؤمنون الكافرين أولياء Thank you. 